0: Camicia Mitchell lives in an apartment complex in Houston. Before the pandemic, she says she always paid her rent.
1: I was never without a uh, means to pay my utilities, nor my rent. I was doing catering, had maybe four or five jobs lined up, plus doing Uber Eats, answering phones for a travel agency. And I did other just menial jobs just to keep afloat. Everything that has happened has happened during the pandemic.
0: When Texas shut down, Camicia lost all those jobs, and she started missing her rent payments. And she was far from the only one. So many people
2: already live paycheck to paycheck. They pay rent, and doing so is their biggest expense and already their biggest worry and one of their biggest anxieties in, in their life often.
0: Our colleague Will Parker covers housing.
2: And once we started seeing just the sheer number of people that were suddenly unemployed, it became obvious really quickly that rent was going to be a huge problem.
0: Now, Camicia's landlord is trying to evict her from the home that she's lived in for almost 15 years. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Friday, July 31st. Coming up on the show, the looming wave of coronavirus evictions.
3: This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vantage.com.
0: When the pandemic began and layoffs spiked, it became clear that millions of renters could lose their homes. So Congress stepped in to stop it, In March, it passed a federal eviction moratorium which prevented certain landlords from evicting their tenants.
2: So apartment buildings that have mortgages guaranteed by federally-backed financing, so Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, there were rules in the CARES Act that said that those landlords could not evict tenants while this crisis was going on.
0: How much of the rental market did that cover?
2: So it covers a lot, but it covers a minority. There's an estimate from the Urban Institute that said that that would probably cover about 12 million apartments, or somewhere between a quarter and a third of the overall American rental market.
0: But if you don't live in one of those buildings with a federally-backed mortgage, you might still get protection. After the pandemic began, many local governments also passed their own moratoria.
2: So you saw cities, states, court districts all over the country in state different types of eviction moratoria or delays in filing or in executing evictions. So what that means in in most cases is there can be no evictions coming through the court system for however long that period is set for. So in some places, that meant not even any eviction filings. You couldn't even get the process started at all. In other places, it, it just meant that there would be no hearings on evictions for the time being.
0: And did the eviction moratoria work? They absolutely
2: prevented people from being evicted, at least for the time being. They didn't you know, resolve problems with unpaid rent. They didn't absolve people of their rent debt. But they put a freeze on what might ordinarily have happened. And what usually happens in most places is tenants fall behind on rent for one or two months, perhaps longer. And at a certain point, the landlord moves to have them out of that apartment. So that ordinary process was put on hold.
0: On hold temporarily. The moratoria had end dates, and they differed from place to place. As the pandemic dragged on, some cities extended their moratoria, like Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. But one city that didn't extend it was Houston.
2: The Texas state court system had a moratorium that expired in May. And some Texas cities put in their own restrictions to sort of extend some of those protections. We saw Dallas and, and Austin come up with some short-term measures, but Houston did not.
0: And that's made the city a test case for what could happen as more of these moratoria expire across the country.
2: Houston is, of course, one of the largest cities in the country. And of the really large cities, it's one of a few that doesn't have a local moratorium right now. It's just been a really sudden jump in people dealing with eviction, many of whom are dealing with this problem for the first time in their entire lives.
0: Eviction filings in Houston have doubled from May to June, according to Princeton University's Eviction Lab. And there's one area in Houston that's seen more eviction filings than other parts of town. Southwest Houston— which has a predominantly Black and Hispanic population, and it has the highest renter population in the city. One of those renters is Camicia Mitchell. After she was served an eviction notice, she went to court for her hearing.
1: I got to court no more than... I don't even think it was seven minutes late. I don't even think it was seven minutes late. So when I got there, I beat on the door.
0: But nobody answered. 20 minutes passed, and she kept knocking.
1: When they finally opened the doors, and I thought, okay, hey, well you know, I was only late, like less than five minutes, and you all started, you guys start early. And she wouldn't respond to me. And I said, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? She goes, well, we've already made a judgment on your case. And she just walked out.
0: The landlord won the case against Camicia. They officially had the right to evict her. Camicia is appealing the decision, but Will says that's a tough legal case to win in Texas. It's very,
2: very difficult to argue on behalf of a tenant in an eviction case who hasn't paid rent. And that's because under Texas law, there really is no defense for unpaid rent. It's not a defense to say, I can't pay my rent.
0: A few months of missed rent and a few minutes late to a court hearing, that can be all it takes for a renter to lose their home. This thin margin for error is in contrast to people who own their homes, many of whom have been granted more time to get back on their feet.
2: What you're seeing illustrated in this crisis is just the kind of protection and financial stability that comes with homeownership versus renting. And one of the things I mean by that is homeowners that had a a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac-backed mortgage, they have a year of forbearance that they have been allowed to use if they're unable to make their mortgage payments. You know, renters in in no part of the country that I know of have been guaranteed a, a year of non-payment, which is a huge difference. I mean, if you were to go an entire year without paying your mortgage, you know, the the chances that you're going to get foreclosed on eventually are are, are really high. I mean, very few people are going to be able to make up a year's worth of, of mortgage payments. But it's still more time and more of a chance than you're getting if you're a renter in Houston
0: and missing out on those chances can end up having long-term consequences on someone's life.
2: What experts say on eviction is that eviction can be the beginning of this cycle of poverty and problems that is very, very difficult to come back from. If you're evicted, there's a public record of you being a person who did not pay rent. That can make it very difficult for you to then try to find new shelter. If you get back on your feet, you find work, Maybe you can find an apartment you can afford. You know, there are places where people will be unwilling to, to give you a second shot because of your eviction record. It can end up being a, a really pivotal point for people in a very negative way.
0: In a pandemic, the threat of losing your home is also a health issue.
2: So one of the biggest concerns with eviction as it concerns the pandemic is what happens when people are pushed out of their homes. And very often what happens is that they go to live with friends and family. And what we know is that overcrowding is a significant risk factor for coronavirus transmission. So, you know, what people expect to be happening is that you see more people doubling up with friends and family in apartments and more overcrowding.
0: This is going to be the situation that Kamesia is in if she's evicted.
2: Where
1: would I go? I do have family members here, but they're all, they're high risk. I can't just go and stay with them because they have three to four family members in their homes already.
0: What are you going to do if you do get evicted?
1: I'll have to figure out how to move everything out of here. Remember, I've been here a long time. So I'll have to figure out how to move everything out of here. And I'd have to stay with one of those family members until I find a conflict.
0: Camicia says she's also high risk. She says she has lupus and recently had a stroke. Are you scared to face this possibility of being evicted during the middle of a pandemic? Uh,
4: I'm
1: offended in humanity that we even have to go this
0: route. After the break, what the eviction moratoria mean for people on the other side of the rental equation, the landlords... For every tenant who's struggling to pay rent, there's a landlord on the other side. And whether those landlords decide to evict tenants who don't pay or let them stay will have a big impact. It's an issue that many landlords have been thinking about for months. Well, can you just start out by introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, My
4: name is John Boryak. I'm the president of Veritas Equity Management, and we own and operate multifamily housing in Houston.
0: John and a group of investors own around 1,200 homes in Houston, which he estimates about 4,000 people live in. We should note that Camicia is not one of his tenants.
4: So we have what's commonly referred to as like workforce housing. Most of our renters are, you know, your blue-collar jobs down in Houston. You have lots of uh, retail, restaurant industry, some oil field, construction jobs, things like that.
0: Retail, construction, oil work. These are some of the hardest-hit industries right now. But even if some of John's renters weren't able to pay rent, at first, eviction wasn't an option because of Texas's eviction moratorium. So what did did you think when the eviction moratoriums came about? I understood
4: the uh, motivation behind them. I was disappointed in our government's inability to really see the true problem. Evictions are often seen as the problem in and of themselves. But we have to remember, evictions are not the problem. Inability to pay rent is the problem. Evictions are the symptom. And so when you have solutions that focus only on symptoms and not on the root problems, those root problems continue to fester and grow.
0: Evictions are a problem in and of themselves, though, in a pandemic, where when people don't necessarily have a place to go, and if they do have a place to go, it might lead to overcrowding, which then can lead to more spread of the virus.
4: Right. And I can understand it as a like really short term solution, month, two months, when you have to get through that. But keeping people in homes where they're not paying for those homes is just kicking the can down the road and in my opinion, building a bigger problem for yourself down the line.
0: Why not forgive their rent for a few months? Yeah, sure. that sounds great,
4: but you know we don't have that flexibility and then also have the ability to meet our obligations to pay our mortgage the utility bills to keep the lights on, to keep the water running. I mean, we're not getting any flexibility from that end.
0: John says that at his largest complex, if 25% of the tenants didn't pay rent for three months, he'd deplete his rainy day fund and could no longer afford the mortgage.
4: Rent is not an isolated thing. It's part of a greater system that when that piece stops, then you don't have utility payments, mortgage payments, Property taxes don't get paid. Staff, you know, loses their jobs, and there's nobody to maintain the properties, et cetera.
0: And that's why John started the eviction process for tenants in eleven apartments after the local moratorium expired. He says it was a last resort after the tenants couldn't work out a payment plan.
4: The last thing we want is an eviction. That's the nuclear option for us. And so, anything we can do to prevent from having to get there, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to make that happen.
0: Why? Is, why is that the nuclear option? Why? Why don't you want that? Sure. So there's kind of
4: a, I want to call it a humanitarian side to that. You know like a uh, just what's right side. And then there's still a financial kind of cold logic side also. You know, an eviction costs a landlord anywhere from, I mean, it's really hard to pin the number down, but I'm gonna call it three to ten thousand dollars. You have the court costs associated with it, and then you know the potential clean out costs, and then you gotta go in and get it ready for the next person. But then there's also the side of Man, we hate having to force a resident, a renter, out of their home. That's, you know, we don't undervalue the impact that can have on uh, their family.
0: But as much as John says he hates evictions, he also thinks there's a limit to a landlord's responsibility to their tenants.
4: You know, nobody's asking the grocery stores to sell groceries to customers and allow them to pay with an IOU and hope they'll pay, you know, come back at a later date. And yet that's more or less what we're being asked as housing providers to do with these eviction moratoriums.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess the tricky thing is, though, is that unlike other businesses, you know, even selling groceries is different than than shelter. I mean, it's such a sort of fundamental necessity.
4: Well, so it's food, you know, and it's like food, shelter, water. Those are the three essentials. But it's still, you can't be done for free. You know, housing can sometimes be seen as this like right that people are entitled to, but it's it's a business just like every
2: other business.
0: And as more moratoria expire around the country, our colleague Will expects more landlords will take the route that John has.
2: I mean, once landlords are allowed to evict, they, they will. And we're seeing that in Houston, that as that has become a solution that landlords can, can choose, they're choosing to do it. That's absolutely what will start to happen in other places where it becomes an option.
0: Recently, evictions have become an option in more places. On July 24th, the federal eviction moratorium, which covered buildings with federally-backed mortgages, expired. Congress has discussed extending it and the federal unemployment benefit, which will help people pay their rent. But if nothing changes, 11 million Americans could be served with eviction papers in the coming months, according to one analysis. As for Camicia, she's still waiting to hear the decision on her appeal. But she's already thinking about what it'll be like to leave her home. If, if you do have to leave, what is it going to feel like to leave this place that you've lived in for so long? Well, it'll be
1: humiliation. Humiliation is a natural human response. So it, it will be humiliation, but then I have to get over it and just do whatever needs to be done.
0: Is there anything that you'd like to say or anything that you'd like people to know about the situation that you're in?
1: The main thing it can happen to a person who made comfortable money having three different opportunities to work in three different fields. It's humiliating and it's degrading for a lot of
3: people.
1: It can happen to anybody.
0: That's all for today. Friday, July 31st. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Kate Leinbaugh and me, Ryan Knutson. The show's made by Gerard Cole, Pia Gadkari, Annie Minoff, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nowetsky, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Annie Rostrasser, and Rob Zitko. Our show is engineered by Griffin Tanner, with help from Sam Baer and Katherine Anderson. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Bobby Lord, Peter Leonard, Emma Munger, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka and Joy Crane. Thanks for listening. See you on Monday.